Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. I am Matt, and I am here. I am the editor-in-chief of the, the website thing, and we have a packed podcast for you this week, an absolutely packed podcast. We'll start by introducing our guest, because we do have a special guest this week, Lachlan from Locked Up Games. He's got a new very fan service thing out, and we're going to be talking about that today. So, hello, Lachlan. Welcome to the uh, podcast. Hi, Matt. Glad to be back. Yes, you've been on a couple of times now. I'm sure the long-time listeners, all two of them, are um, <laughs> are tuned in. and looking forward to hearing your insights about Max's Big Bust 2. Max's Bigger Bust. I think that's the name of it, isn't it? Did I get yep, that right? that's it. Cool. All right. We also have New Zealand Matt. Hello, New Zealand Matt. Hello. I, Thank you. I... I'm... On behalf of the entire world for re-electing Jacinta, we appreciate that. After You're welcome. <laughs> after watching the American presidential debate <laughs> last yesterday, I, I'm very glad at least one country did something right. Um, that, that was all me. I was entirely responsible. It was that. all you? Good. Yep. I'm glad for that. Yep. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. For... We're going to be talking about Sakuna of Rice and Rain, you and I, uh, later on in the podcast because, yeah, we've both been playing it and we have thoughts about that one. That's good. So I'm giving away all the podcasts right now. It's, like an in, it's a proper introduction I'm doing. I'm, I'm amazed. We're actually productive or something right now. Hello, Harvard. Welcome to the stream. Harvard's back. Hello, hello. I didn't realise we were a stream. political podcast. <laughs> we're very political. Highly political because it's video games. Kick politics uh, out of games. <laughs> we're not Ubisoft here. <laughs> and finally, we also have another regular, Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. I thought when you like start the whole interaction, you would just be like, "Yeah, we've got a special guest," and just go straight to be like, "Trent, Trent's here." Like... <laughs> well, you are you are very special to us, but um, yeah, I, I did mean a, a proper not person from the regular podcast person. On anyway. troll everyone. <laughs> anyway, you've been playing uh, a Watch Dogs thing, so you might even have some words to say about Ubisoft yourself, which is Opinions. pretty cool. Yeah. Opinions. I don't I don't want to do a mat and uh, when, when, when's this podcast out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it'll be out in time for your embargo. Don't you worry. So you'll be able, <laughs> uh, you'll be able to say things about the highly unpolitical uh, game about resistance or something, isn't it? Oh, who knows? Um, I, I don't follow Ubisoft anymore. Not since they put Pumas in their Viking game. No, not Pumas. Which one? Rebox. <laughs> Rebox. They put Rebox in their what? Viking game. Yeah, I thought you meant the animal human. No, I got a shoe rebook. There's the shoe. I got a press release. I got a press release from Ubisoft that was like they rebox sponsored Valhalla. So yeah, the new Assassin's Creed game is actually sponsored by a shoe. They don't wear them in the game, do they? I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, I thought it was. No, I'm only joking about that. They don't wear them in the game, but you know, I wouldn't put it past them yet. You know, there's still time to do the DLC. It'll happen. You just watch. It'd be Vikings. So you also just observe that. Sporting really cool. I, yeah, I don't I don't care what the game or genre or time period is, having sneakers in games is always good. <laughs> yeah, like the Vikings should maybe run quicker. I'm still not quite I'm still not quite sure about that game because like historically the Berserkers they, they went completely nude when they did their thing. So is, is that happening in this game? We're gonna maybe see... they have like Reebok tattoos this time. Are they going to get? Are they going to get the whole Norman Reedus thing from um, from Death Stranding going? Because maybe the shoes for a different location. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, they got that real world nonsense, don't they? Yeah. I forgot they were still doing that. <laughs> they find, find a way to use that to transport shoes to Viking times. <laughs> oh, Assassin's Creed. Okay, we're going to go to some music. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the games of November, which probably actually includes Assassin's Creed. I don't know when it releases. Um, Lachlan, you're the guest. And I assume you're in some on some level a Hatsune Miku fan, so you get to pick the Hatsune Miku song. We always give I'm that to the Vaguely guests. prepared. Um, <laughs> the only Miku song I know is the one by Anamana Gucci, so I think it's just called Miku. It's a bit lame, but it's, it's, a, it's a Miku song I've listened to. So that's I'll... the one. That's the like the lead song they used for the American tour. That's a good song. Miku's in your Wi-Fi. That's the one. Haha, I've got a Miku song this time. <laughs>
Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so after that introduction set the mood for what is going to be a fascinating podcast, let's talk about the games of November, as we always start each, each podcast off with a chat about what's coming, and November is going to be pretty packed, I think. November generally is pretty packed. It's when all the big releases come out, and this year there's going to be plenty of that and plenty of smaller stuff too. So let's look at the PlayStation 4 first up, and we'll start with the, what is surely going to be the biggest game of the year, Poor Patrol Mighty Pups Save Adventure Bay. That's going yeah, to be you say that. You no, said, uh, is it is it based off the current Paw Patrol game? Who knows? It comes out on November sixth. So, so that game is the most amazing hot trash platformer <laughs> ever. Like, ah, I'm I'm disappointed. I mean, Paw Patrol. I would have thought XCOM clone. That that'd be the way I'd go personally. No, so they've already got a platformer, and it's just so it's just so bad. Like, it's janky it's horrible and then you just every so often randomly get to a spot and it's like which paw patrol should help you out here sonny and you go i want this paw patrol and then you're like no that's not the right one and then you click on the right one and it's like okay awesome and then it does the sequence and then you get to some more platformers and then yeah you know in, eventually <laughs> in conclusion in conclusion trent has young people in his family somewhere um Actually, winding back one day, a young person. <laughs> winding back one day on November five, there's a game coming out called Ponpu. Now I don't know anything about Ponpu, but the description is pretty cool. It says the all-seeing duck god has enough, and the world has run out of time. Now that's it. That's that's the description. Oh, hang on, there's a little bit more here. So you're Every... saying the dog's gone? Oh, the dog. But the, the duck... god's gone. The go duck god's gone. Quackers. Yeah, the duck gods gone quackers. Every two billion years, the world must be refreshed through divine, divine destruction. And he has sent you a Ponpu as his herald. So you play as the herald of the duck god that My is duck. going to destroy the the entire world. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm in for is, this game. Is this a Donald Duck game? I don't know. I don't care. I, it, it, like, it's, it sounds like it should be. It sounds like it should be a Donald Duck game, and I'm all for this. So let's, um, let's file that one away as a game I'm probably going to love. Um, you know, after Fight Crab and that that our pack of uh, football game, uh, I'm all for a Duck God <laughs> game as well. Moving on, um, November 6th brings Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered, so people who like their Vroom Vrooms get a Vroom Vroom this year. Um, November 10 brings Sakuna of Rice and Rain, which we mentioned earlier in the podcast, and both Matt and I have been playing that in previous stage and absolutely love it. I think I'm not talking... For you there, Matt. I think I guessed that right. You loved it, right? It's good. Mm, no, I'm kidding. It's it's really good. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Had me in suspense there for a second. Uh, November 10 brings uh, 13x111111 XIII. The Roman numerals. The Roman numerals 13 remake comes out on November 10. That was actually I didn't mind that one originally on the PS2. That's the self shaded shooter. And but it's not so shaded now. It's oh well, then I'm not interested. I'm out. What? What? What's the point? Yeah, exactly. I'm. I'm. I'm genuinely. I'm out. What's the best, best thing about it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to bother. They remastered out the only good thing about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mm. it. How not to do a remaster? Uh, also on November 10, so there is something I can play instead. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, that's going to be cool. Turn-based, turn-based Yakuza game. Dude has good hair. It's going to be good. Uh, what else we got? Moving through, moving through. Ha! Ah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla comes out on November 10. There you go. Vikings with um, Reeboks strapped over their junk. That's going to be the game. 
cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm scrolling through looking for the next thing. Uh, <laughs> there is there's quite a lot of indie stuff happening then for a little while farming simulator 19 alpine farming expansion comes out on november 12 i laugh 19 but I'm gonna, yeah an expansion for it i laugh but i'm going to spend that i'll spend a lot of time playing that i'm sure for some reason every time dlc or whatever comes out for that stuff i just have to play it uh, on November 12, Death Come True comes out. Now, that was released on Nintendo Switch earlier in the year. It's a FMV game from the creator of Danganronpa, and it is excellent. It is pristine good stuff. I highly recommend that if you haven't played it before. On November 13, Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory comes out. Now, I played that in yeah. demo form. It's very good. It is basically theatre rhythm on, on the 3DS, but instead of Final Fantasy music, it's Kingdom Hearts music. So, good. 140 music tracks, you promised. I only played four in the demo, so that was a bit cheap from Square Enix. They could have given us, like, ten. Does Come it have, on. like, the world ends with you music? Because technically that's been in Final Fantasy. Kingdom Hearts. Which means that there should be music. Who knows, Trent? I really honestly do not know what the, what music they're actually putting in there. I was just ignoring that game for the longest time because it's Kingdom Hearts and I can't stand Kingdom Hearts the <laughs> series. But the demo, the rhythm game stuff is pretty good. And Donald's the music in there. Is so good. The music, music's good. The music's very good. I agree. And Donald's in there. Donald's pretty cool. On November 17, Santa's Xmas Adventure. That's going to be cool. As everybody knows, Santa Claus makes for good video games. There's never been a bad video game star on Santa. What? Why is <laughs> that coming out in November? It? I don't know. They, they need to capitalise <laughs> on people buying it for Christmas, I guess. It's better than releasing it in January, Matt. <laughs> I guess so. That's, that's one of the games you don't want to d- delay. That's one of the one times <laughs> you probably... You probably do need to crunch to make sure it gets out in time because if it's in January, then there's just no point. Uh, okay, so November 19 brings a game that I think a lot of people are looking forward to, but... <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk 27.7 comes out on November 19, and it's going to be Cyberpunk in name only. I think that's pretty safe to say. I've never play, I haven't played a, a bit of it, but it's just aesthetics. Aren't There's we no just way agreeing that, gonna... that the only cyber get punk game is that indie game and we're just ignoring cyberpunk now? Isn't isn't that what the internet's doing because of yeah, all the I crunch and all the other stuff? I can't I can't remember the name of it, but the cyberpunk game from China actually looks much better <laughs> as a cyberpunk thing. This one just looks like it's a CD Projekt Red game with guns and stuff. And somewhere, somewhere right now, Alan's head is blowing up that he's not here to yell at me for Yep, he's not going to be happy at all. November 19 brings Poker Card. If you like poker, you're probably going to like this game. It's got very high production values, very, very high production values, and it plays poker, so cool. Uh, What else we got? One more game in November for the PlayStation 4, Katamari Damacy Reroll, which will be good. I don't know if that's like the Switch one, but now on PS4. Cool. Well, that was very good on the Switch, so you should definitely check it out on the PlayStation 4. And then finally, it's a December game, but I wanted to mention it here because when we record the December podcast, by the time it's out, it probably the game will probably be out anyway because it's December 1, and that's Empire of Sin. That's a um, XCOM-like being developed by John Romero himself, the man. 
Ooh. So hopefully it's not like Daikatana. Hopefully it's more like Doom. But <laughs> surely he's learned. Yeah, no, Daikatana was good. It was fun. It had good music. Yeah, it yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Had... Nintendo Switch. <laughs> well, but while, while, while we're on December one games, let's talk. Also briefly mention Twin Mirror, which is the new Don't Nod game. Oh, the other yes. new other new Don't Nod game aside yes. from the one that came out on the Xbox earlier this year. Yes, true. They Very do good, good stuff, so it'll be good. Yes, anything Don't Know Touch is pretty much gold, so Twin Mirror should be very good as well. December, that's going to be the month for games. November, talking about Switch now. What's coming out on Switch? We'll start with the start of the month again. I'm just scrolling through the list now. Still, there's an awful lot of stuff coming out at the end of October for Switch, so I've got to do a lot of scrolling. Fucking hell, there's a lot. Oh, there's Pikmin coming out on October 30, just so you, you know, if you missed it, it's still coming. Look forward to that. Pikmin's pretty good. All right. We're now in November on my little list. We have nothing at the start of November. Nothing really worth talking about anyway. Um, still going. Cafe Unchante comes out on November 5. That is Ultima game. That is by the same developer of whatever that one was. That was P.O. Fiori? Yeah, P.O. Fiori, yeah. Yeah, same developer as that one. And I was absolutely amazed by that game when I played it last month. Um I think at this stage, most people who are interested in Ultimate games know about Ultimate and know what they do. So expect more of that with Cafe Enchante. Apparently, it's a little bit lighter than Pio Fiore, or a lot lighter. <laughs> that's, that's not hard. But... <laughs> yeah, Pio Fiore was pretty uh, brutal on my soul. Uh, so this one should be a nice, uh, lighter, relaxing visual novel as such. Speaking of visual novels, uh, on the same day, yeah, <laughs> on the complete opposite to Automate, there is Fantasy Tavern Sextet Volume 1, New World Days coming out. Now, that's a super fan service uh, visual novel, the first of three, and yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about just from that description, really. That's all you need. When they say Sextet, they mean like a six of something, right? Yes, 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 but I can assure you it's also wordplay. <laughs> they deliberately picked six characters so they could use that word in the headline in, in the title tropico 6 apparently comes out on switch on november 6 that'll be good i've been waiting for a good city builder genuine city builder on the switch since uh, the port of city skyline suck on the switch so hopefully tropico does better i'd be very happy about that if it does Sakuna Rough Rice and Rain also releases on Switch on November 10, same day. There's a game called Slide Stars that's coming out on Switch. Know nothing about it, but the box art has like a dude and a girl in a bikini, so it's art. Um, Very low bar event, this one. <laughs> yeah, Santa's <laughs> Xmas Adventure also comes out on the Switch, so you can look forward to that. That comes Easy out. Really low bar adventure. <laughs> Buy it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it twice. I'm sure it's going to be that good. Kingdom Hearts Melody and Memory does come out on Switch as well, same day again, November 13. Probably the one you want to go with because rhythm games are just better when they're portable. Need for Speed Hot Shoot Remastered comes out on November 13 for Switch, so a couple of weeks after it does elsewhere. Um, who knows with EA? It's probably terrible. They don't know how to work with the Switch. Sniper Elite 4 comes out on November 17 for Switch. That's a remastered, or not remastered, that's a optimized release for the console and i believe the sniper elite games actually do do pretty good on the switch so that one will probably be worth looking forward to ah finally a switch game worth talking about hyrule warriors age of calamity comes out on november 20 that's the same day as cyberpunk i think 
day after. Day after, and I mean, let's face it, we all know which one's going to be actually genuine and give, delivers what it's what it's promising on the box art. You're going to get Hyrule Warriors with Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, and it's looking really good. Koei Tecmo does their knows their stuff and monitored as they will be by Nintendo. I'm sure that one will be up to the standards of the first one, which was very high. And then finally on the Switch, November 26, Brawl Chess. I don't know. Maybe one of those kind of fighting chess games. Or possibly not chess at all. Because now, this, now, well, I just these days they like, throw chess into like, everything. It was like a chess game, but like a Street Fighter game. So you're just chess pieces and you just like battle. I want that. <laughs> there, there's your new hey. crab fighting game. <laughs> All right, um, you make that game and I'll play it for you, Trent. Uh, All right, that's that's basically it. Unless there's something that's actually releasing on Xbox or uh, PC that I haven't noticed. Now, Xbox, and... Xbox or next gen, it's getting the Tetris Effect multiplayer. That's an exclusive thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That there, there's something which is somewhat time exclusive for November. I don't know about anything else because I'm not excited for anything else. So mm. that's that's okay. just next gen. Why would you want multiplayer and Tetris effect? Because I put you it... play together because it's COVID. Don't you know everything's all about COVID? We're not allowed to say COVID, but you're playing together. Trent, I, I, I put it I to you. Think of a game that, that Tetris suits multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, and and let's um, let's be clear here. Tetris effect is good because of VR mode, and the Xbox don't do that. So you're still probably better off just playing it on PlayStation. Get yourself a VR headset and play it. I have it on PlayStation. That's why I play it. That's why I know it's good. That's why I know it's got great music. That's how I know it's awesome. But on the PC, you can have like a huge resolution. You can have it like a 4K, 8K Tetris effects. That looks pretty neat. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's the game you're looking forward to this month, Trent. You don't get to say another one now. What? <laughs> 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 Trapped you, uh, Lachlan. <laughs> you've been uh, you've been quiet, and and while we've been running through all of these lists, so tell me, of all of those games, if you get to pick one and play just the one, which one are you going to play this month? Can I be an outlier and pick something on the list? Yeah, if I'm excited to. for Demon Souls Remastered on PS5, but uh, I have to play it at my dad's house. <laughs> he's the one getting that, the PlayStation. That Does comes out. Yes, it does count. I don't have a list for the PlayStation Five here. And oh, there's like honest. three games. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> like the I only one. Yeah, I, I wasn't pulling and up. This, this is the only new one too. Mm. Yeah. I so there you go. Call it now. I'm looking forward to Demon's Souls a great deal as well. I'm not getting a PlayStation Five, so I won't be able to play it at launch, but I will play it at some point. Unfortunately, I must just say I'm a little bit disappointed with what they seem to have done with the remake with that game because I'm a bit of a Demon Souls purist, I guess, and I really liked. Pretty much everything about that original game. It's still my favorite Souls game. Oh, me too. And it looks like they're messing with it in all the wrong ways um, with this this remaster. It just looks like they've cleaned it up, and it it, it isn't meant to be clean. It's like this dirty, grim kind of you know un, unpleasant game to look at almost. And it, I'd it like just to see had, it in person. It, like this is all ideal, eight K, etc. But when they've actually got it at home on like my yeah, crappy TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm still maybe it'll work in its favour. <laughs> I'm, I'm still hoping against hope that it kind of it just doesn't look what I want, you know, in the screenshots in the video. But once I play it, I'll be very happy with it. Um, yeah, I, I've got my hopes up for it, but 
I don't know. I just don't know at this stage. Demon Souls was, it was good because it was done on such a low budget and it was done without expectations and they were a little yeah. bit more creative with it. It had this, it had a stronger artistic vision for me. And since they've, they've, they've tempered that to make it a little bit more mainstream appeal, I think. And I preferred the length too. Yeah, the length was good. Everything about the game was was better designed, I think. So yeah, who knows? But let's let's just add that to the list as a game worth looking forward to, I guess. Um, Matt, pick your game. One game, any game. Uh, I'm going to pick um, another one that we haven't mentioned, which is Spider Man Miles Morales, um, which ah. also comes comes out and for PS4 and PS5 um in november which is i and enjoyed the ps4 spider-man game um and but i think miles morales i think is a much more interesting character than peter parker and a much more fun spider-man so i'm looking forward to to seeing what they do with that and how how they uh are able to expand what the previous game did yeah that's me it'll be another open world action game i think it will be <laughs> that's, that's my what I'm thinking it'll be yeah I mean I, I enjoyed the Spider-Man game enough too but whether I want to go back for more of that is another question and as good as Miles is as a character I'm not I, I don't know I don't know if they'll if they just kind of try to shove a square through a circle, circular hole to you didn't do make much in fit. the base game really like you just did some stealth sections with him Nothing yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? It, I'm sure it'll be good. Everybody liked the original Spider-Man, so if they just deliver that, then people will be happy, which is ultimately... It's called a HD remaster. <laughs> as long as people are happy, that's all that matters in, in the life. That's that's what video games are here for. Um, Harvard, I haven't asked you yet. I am down for the Kingdom Hearts Rhythm game. Like, I am so excited. But did you <laughs> say there was only 130 tracks? Only. 140. 140. Yeah. That makes me think, I wonder how much licensing they got for the Disney songs. Because the arrangements for the Disney songs in some of the early Kingdom Hearts games are actually just really, really good. But I wonder if they got the rights to them. They paid about $300 million to get the rights to the Frozen song. And that's it. That's the one Disney song. Because, Wait, of actually... course, they threw that in there because they have to. And I hate that song. That's I the really, worst Disney song ever. I man. know, like, and yet it's the most played... <laughs> factually, it is the most played Disney song in history. That is the song that they just... It's like not constant. Because it's the most relevant. Like, it speaks wow. to us generation. It makes me cry. <laughs> if you're not a contrarian, this makes you a contrarian now. <laughs> I like the Moana song. Yeah. yeah the Moana song songs. is very lovely. I skipped the Let It Go scene in Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yes. Nope. <laughs> Do I need to see this? Nope. Uh, Man, that makes me less excited. Thing. I'm still gonna play it, but it's still sad now. 140 songs is actually a lot, to be honest. Um, it, it, yeah, but theatrism's like 240, right? <laughs> yeah, but that was that was. You won't have Final Fantasy in it though. That's the thing. They've yeah. been and moving away from it as much as they possibly can for some reason. Theatrism also had a lot of DLC to, that got it to that point. With it. And they were just yeah. kind of went way beyond Final Fantasy. It was like any Square Enix game, let's put some DLC in there, which is great. But hopefully they do the same with Kingdom Hearts because Theatre Rhythm's not on Switch, and that's it's, a problem. It's also got like a story mode, which 
that doesn't really inspire me because Kingdom Hearts story is just it, it's like having your teeth pulled and then stuck back in and then pulled back out again. Um, but I'm gonna die on that hill. I still think it's a pretty good story. Oh, I don't know. If I am well and truly stopped. Only if you've only if you've somehow managed to play every single Kingdom Hearts or game in order and then in reverse order just to do a deal with the devil or something and then you can understand know, what's going on and then you the can and then uh, watch the summary movies i don't have 20 hours of time to watch summary movies <laughs> i'm not catching up with kingdom hearts at this point so if that's story... five and a half hours i think <laughs> if, if that kingdom hearts um story mode in melody and memory is in some way related to kingdom hearts i'm tapping out but yeah, I mean, the, there's 20 characters in there. The I've, the rhythm game action is really good. I've really enjoyed that. Three difficulty levels, and on the highest difficulty level, it will challenge pretty much anybody who enjoys rhythm games. It's not quite as hard as a Mika game, but, you know, what is? Um, but, yeah, it should be good. Rhythm games are good. High-profile rhythm games are good. We don't get that many of them. So good on Square Enix for delivering that. Um, and now it's, for me, I guess, I'm only person left that hasn't mentioned what game they're looking forward to. It's got to be Call of Duty Black Ops. I didn't mention that in the list. It's coming out. <laughs> Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War comes out on November 13 and I just skipped that over completely. Um, and of course I'm going to play that and love it a great deal. That's it. That's the section. Uh... <laughs> what? You, don't, um, you, actually, wait, you actually don't have a legit game which you're playing? What? <laughs> no, no. Not even um... Yakuza? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't really... I can't really mention Yakuza or Sakuna because I've kind of already played them a little bit anyway. Um, in previous can we just, can we just um, respect the fact that Trent's called accidentally breaking embargo, pulling a mat earlier this podcast? <laughs> yeah, pulling a mat. Uh, no, okay, I'll pick one genuinely. I am, I am kind of interested in this Assassin's Creed game. I think it is a lot to do with my residual love for Assassin's Creed from the earlier games, especially yeah, me the. Too, actually. AC3, um, I really love Liberation. Liberation's still my favourite Assassin's Creed. I quite enjoyed Rogue. Not so much Black Flag, but Rogue was great. And I've enjoyed some of the ones um, since then. I really did not like the turn they took with Origin and then that last one, Odyssey, was just not for me. So I, I think I played Odyssey because of Origin. Oh, I played a bit of Odyssey and I liked it a bit better. But I, the uh, origin really put me off the series after being really into the series again with things like um, the London one and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I think it's the same. Like when they went all Destiny with the leveling up system and they just went loot grindy and it, they, they just threw every single system that's been mildly popular into this game and it just lost its identity as Assassin's Creed. I, I, I completely lost the history of those two, I must admit. Um and that really killed it for me. I, I got so into like the systems. I, I was forced to focus so heavily on the systems in Origin and Odyssey that I just couldn't enjoy the stuff about the game that I enjoyed, which was basically you know um, the same reason that I like Samurai Warriors or Dynasty Warriors, the historical context games, which have a bit of gameplay thrown in. Um, yeah, I, 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 my my expectations for Valhalla are very tempted, uh, tempered, but. Mm. I do want to check it out just because it was my blockbuster series that I liked above them all. So, 
residual residual interest in the series is going to get me to play this one. This is this is uh, Ubisoft's last chance though with this series. If they yeah. screw this one up on me, I, I really don't care. I don't care if they, the next one after this is set in Japan. I am not playing another Assassin's Creed if they fuck. You'll play up. the Japan one. You're lying. Let's put it this way: it's in rumors again that there's a Japan and China one, so it's obviously not going to be in Japan and China. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, they, logic says that they will go to Asia at some point, but... They'll uh, go through moment, another side game, probably. Yeah, at, at the moment, they're still too busy doing white man games. Um, <laughs> See, I suggested on Twitter, um, like, one of the Baltic countries. That could be interesting history while still being white for them. Like, you know, it's that there's there's European history which they can do, which isn't, let's go back to fat Paris. If they're not going to do uh, an Asian one, I still want to see them do like Colonial Australia, where you get to play as a, an Aboriginal assassin. That would be cool. Yes. That would yes. be so cool. Resisting resisting the uh, colonial yeah, poms um, would be really neat. It would be you cross a lot of fingers to think they would do that one right. Well, that's the thing. That, I, that I, I do give I do give Ubisoft credit in the sense that when they do approach different cultures, they do their best <laughs> to be sensitive to them. So um, the Assassin's Creed series has generally been pretty good with that. And I would hope, I, I, I'm, I, I say that I would like to see an Assassin's Creed Australia with the expectation that they would do it right. Obviously, I would not want to see them do it wrong. But yeah, that would be a really cool concept and opportunity to highlight that, um, just how terrible it was all back then for the Aboriginal people. Um, but yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'll give it a play, especially if they're berserkers with shoes strapped to their junk. That would be cool. <laughs> I don't know how we got onto that, but sure. <laughs> it's a it's a mental image. I'm not going to lose anytime soon. All right, music time. Let's go to Trent. There you go, Trent. Oh, actually, you picked. You said you liked the music on Tetris. Tetris, yes. The first yeah. track's pretty cool, but like. Whatever that one is, the one with a really orchestrated singing, that's good, that's, that's a good track.
Welcome back, everybody. Um, that was Tetris Effect. Good music, good game. Play it. Uh, preferably in VR, but if not, there is always that Xbox option coming out. Um, so, we are going to... We kind of preempted a little bit of this conversation in the last section because we're talking about the PlayStation 5 uh, and our difficulty with not necessarily being able to play the one game that's interesting on it so far. But... The last couple of weeks have been a nightmare for anybody who is prone to feeling fear of missing out with all the big games and, and releases and stuff because both Sony and Microsoft decided to release their consoles in the middle of a pandemic where they haven't been able to create enough units off those consoles to actually get them out to enough people that are interested in them and as a result it has been an absolute, to use a swear word, an absolute clusterfuck <laughs> for anybody who's been trying to get one of these things. And as a result, we have seen that a lot of people have um, have missed out. And we thought that would be an interesting topic to talk about, whether this fear of missing out is a good thing for the video game industry, whether you know, we ourselves fear it, I guess, or feel it, I guess, and um, whether it was perhaps irresponsible to release consoles in the middle of a pandemic when you can't create enough units to fulfill demand. Um, let's start with Matt. Matt, did you get either of these consoles? Let's start with that. I uh, got a PlayStation 5. Congratulations. Oh, nice. Yeah, Congratulations. Well I, feel, I feel filthy saying it. I've got the better of me and I... <laughs> did you fear of missing out when you were ordering that PlayStation? Did you buy it because there was anything on there that you really, really wanted or because it was the hot technology that you kind of felt like you needed to have? I think it was more the, more the latter. Um, there are a few, a few things on it that I am looking forward to, particularly Demon's Souls and... The, wait, wait, what? The new Astro, Astro. Wait, what? Matt, you're looking forward to a Souls game. I know it's unusual. It's, <laughs> I, I blame I blame Neo too. And Neo two's just kind of brutalised you into loving the yeah, genre. Like, right, <laughs> I guess I like these dumb, angry games that make me angry now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and like the new Astro's Playroom kind of thing looks fun. Oh, because you were a huge fan of the, the VR one too. Yeah, the VR yeah. one was great. So, um, and I mean, a few a few of the other things that are coming to PlayStation 4 as well, um, like obviously the Miles Morales, as I said before, um, and the new Sackboy game looks like fun. Um, but yeah, I think it was mostly the... New, it's the new technology, and I want to have it. Yeah, and I mean, of course, once you have it, then you don't need to buy it <laughs> again for when, yeah. other game, when other games start to come out. It will be, I think it will be a fairly slow transition to the next generation um, yeah. because they're just going to take that long before enough people have units that you can be a PlayStation 5-only game and sell good numbers without Sony throwing money at you as well. So... Yeah, there, there will be PlayStation 4 and yeah. you know, last-gen versions of pretty much every game that's releasing for quite some time yet. But, but yeah. I think the, the other thing for me that was appealing is my PlayStation 4 is was a launch console as well, and it's getting old and rickety. Um, ah, and right. so knowing that PS5 can play pretty much every PS4 game, it's, it feels like more of just upgrading my PS4 instead of rather than 
getting a whole new console. Yeah, um, I want to ask yeah. about that actually. Um, sorry to interrupt, but if you get like a launch console, right? Do you think most people will buy the midway upgrade as well? Like they start off with a launch PS4 and they get the PS4 Pro? Uh, I think a lot of I people didn't. do. I, I didn't and I don't generally, but. I mean, I think it depends on when you wear, if you wear your PlayStation 4 out in time. Um, I, I went through my PlayStation 4, which wasn't, it wasn't a launch model, but it was damn close. I think it was in like four or five months of the, the console launch and I got my PS4. And it died, um, so I did just buy a PS4 Pro because there was still time to go before the PlayStation 5 released. So, yeah, I mean, obviously those mid-console cycles are designed for two things. One, to get you know, the residual players in, on board that maybe didn't buy the original model. But also, yeah, it's a replacement console for the people who have had their consoles die because... These days, stuff is only manufactured to last three or four years. <laughs> so. Yeah, mine's definitely getting a bit rickety, and I'm considering what I want to do about getting the next generation or whatever. The thing is because I feel like the first release units always have some kind of flaw attached to them as well. That only gets fixed up in an iteration or two, which makes me more apprehensive to get the PS5 at launch too, because I imagine something's probably going to be a little bit knobbly about it. Well, I can't imagine anything in the hardware because the hardware is basically like the the you know in terms of the controller, in terms of the way you interact with the console, whatever, all of that stuff. I think it's pretty much standardized. You're not going to get an entirely new experience there. Um, I think. Oh yeah, I know. The, but minor, like, the, the, the problem minor, with my PS4 the other, is that the button is not working for some reason. That would be a manufacturing error that you can send back to the console. <clears throat> To get yeah, warranty covered, that's 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 what warranty exists for. You do have a, a solid year of coverage before, so to work out that the button doesn't work. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think there is definitely the the state that consoles are in at the start of the generation cycle is, is definitely nothing like they are at the end. But these days, it's more software updates and um, certainly the PlayStation Five will have plenty of those over its lifespan. I'm sure. But, um, yeah, Trent, you got an Xbox, didn't you? Yes, I bought it on the Telstra plan. Congratulations so was... to you, sir. <laughs> you, so... got, you got Next Gen too. Sorry? I said you got them to the Next Gen as well, so that, that's yes. good. But same question I asked Matt that I'm, I'm going to ask you. Did, you. did you jump on because it was a Microsoft told you that you needed this Xbox or did you jump on because there was something on the Xbox that you needed to have right away? Probably more I was going to buy a next generation console either either regardless. Um, I think I probably would have been a little bit more if I got a pre-order which was on a later pre-order. I wouldn't really have cared much if I bought a more traditional way. Um, So the Telstra thing was like, oh, well, you know, it's evened out over the 24 months and was actually is actually a pretty good deal if you look at the pricing and how much they actually charge you more and like it it, it works out to be you're essentially paying recommend retail price for the the ultimate package and the console so it it works out okay like you're not being you know Tulsa's not charging you a lot for that privilege so that seemed the most logical way to buy the Xbox. And I was lucky that I was up at eight o'clock and I was able to do like pre-order and get the first batch. Uh, Telstra in general seemed to be a little bit better in terms of getting later 
Xboxes and pushing them through as well. So a lot of people which were on the second wave or the third wave ended up being pushed a lot more quickly than EB games to the first waves. So stock was not an issue there. Uh, in terms of why I went for the Xbox, I think probably what I... I just wanted a next-gen console, probably. <laughs> so it was probably a little bit of fear of missing out, yes. But... Um, that said, though, all I'm going to play really is probably um, Yakuza um, because this is the next-gen version is time-exclusive for the Xbox. Um, outside of that, probably not really a lot at the moment is really grabbing my attention in terms of what I really wanted that console for outside of the usual releases, which are on the current gen. And in terms of what I will eventually, I'll probably get a, eventually get a PlayStation. I'll probably eat 50 more burgers from Hungry Jack's and win one. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess that, that's um, as well. That competition. I thought there was only in America. Uh, yeah, in Australia, there's 50 consoles, so obviously a lot less. But um, yeah, yeah, no, we've got the same promotion here. Why do they hate New Zealand so much? <laughs> you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you should fly to Australia for a bit. Get some hungry jacks after oh, after oh. some appropriate quarantining first, please. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, you deck technically I... only need to purchase it. Uh, so you could you could just buy me hungry jacks and then use <laughs> your receipts to win the console, and then you know that that works out. Um, yeah, Is I it might just cheaper just... than buying the console. Yeah, just buy the console. That's what I would do. Well, well, if you buy one burger and win one, then yeah, it's probably cheaper. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Then you still got to eat the burger, otherwise it's a waste. It's Hungry Jacks. (laughs) 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 Moving on. Um, So at Harvard, um, I guess you don't have either. You're like me. You don't actually have either of these next-gen consoles locked in. No, I don't have either. But given that what you said before about being concerned about the technical elements of the console, I'm guessing you're not feeling too much FOMO right now. Yeah, I think just from my experience with getting the PS4 pretty close to launch, I had nothing but Resogun on my PS4 for a good few months. <laughs> you say and that I was like thinking, it's a problem. Like, Resogun's great. Hmm? <laughs> you say that like it's a problem. Yeah, Resogun's like, Rezo, Rezo, is a game worth buying a PS4 at launch for. Oh, absolutely. But still, that's <laughs> like... What could have gotten that a few months later for a cheaper price than a non-faulty console, you know? Uh, that being said, though, for the sake of balance, I think when Nintendo announces their inevitable next project, I am FOMOing so hard into that. I got the Switch at launch, and I was extremely happy with it. And even if I'm not happy with the next one, they're probably going to have some package to give me some more GBA games or whatever. And I'll be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, this... I always buy Nintendo consoles at launch as well. I got burned pretty hard on the 3DS at first, but then I got my Fire Emblem GBA on as as a gift for an apology for screwing up that launch, and that was a <laughs> pretty good gift. gift. Yeah, that was that was pretty neat. The uh, what do they call it? The early adopter ambassador program. program. Am, the ambassador program. That's that, it. That was a great thing. Yeah, ten ten free Super NES games, ten free NES games. That was it. Then I was I sold on the 3DS. Games. I remember the Minish Cap was part of it. Yeah, GBA. Oh, GBA and NES. GBA, GBA and NES games. You, yeah. you got, you got um, ten of each. So yeah, it was um, it was a really good console, but it did have a terrible launch, and I got burned on that hard. But the Switch was an immediate transition as soon as the Switch came out. I fell in love with that console. The the launch was good, and I was very happy with it. Um, 
But yeah, I, this is the first time I think in quite a long time that I'm feeling a little bit of FOMO and I'm not quite sure if it's because as a games journalist, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fucked if I don't have these consoles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, not having the review for whether it's because I can't get a review for Demon Souls up on the site straight away, or it's because I actually want these consoles. I'm not entirely sure yet. I look at the PS5 and I see a whole lot of content and a whole lot of stuff I'm not interested in. Um, not a whole lot of stuff that I care about. I know it's coming, and maybe I just want the console so I can have the console. Um, that being said, the fact that I won't have one at launch is pretty good because I have time to work out just how much space in my living room I need to clear to actually put the console in. Because have you seen this thing? It's huge. It is massive. It is a ridiculously big bit of hardware. It's the size of a building. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's and yeah, like people a... call the Xbox the fridge. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty both pretty big consoles. They're pretty they're pretty hefty console sizes. But yeah, um I don't know. I I'm not comfortable that I don't have a PlayStation Five, but I'm not quite sure where that's coming from right now. <laughs> because I'm not that interested in actually playing the PlayStation 5, with the exception of Demon Souls. And perhaps not even that. I mean, if I get disappointed with Demon Souls, that's a really sour start for the generation for me. <laughs> Which is also entirely possible. Um, but Lachlan, uh, you get to hang out with your dad <laughs> to play I PlayStation do. 5. Um, I do feel the FOMO, though. Um, you feel the FOMO? I bought a PS4 at launch, and I got Killzone, Shadow whatever and i played it for an hour and i went why did i do this and i barely <laughs> touched my playstation for like a year so it not doing it again i'm gonna wait till at least ratchet and clank or something so but i got one for my dad and i don't know i was like at the time i pre-ordered it i went i don't need to i don't want one for me i'll be fine and then all these shortages have come through and i'm like have i made a huge mistake here should i have got this and, like, the only thing that's vaguely appealing is Demon Souls and, I guess, Devil May Cry Special Edition. But most of them are just games I've already played, or there's a PS4 version. But I still feel this huge regret for not getting one, even though I'm probably barely going to play it if I actually had one. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. It's, um, I mean, we're probably uh, an interesting cross-section anyway, because we're all heavily invested in video games. So... There is that. It's been all over to, the news, though. Every yeah. single news thing, I'm like, oh, I should have got one. <laughs> yeah. For me, when the... Um, because we were talking about PlayStation 4 being not a console that people didn't play that much when they got it at the start. Even when I got it about six months, I think it was after launch, I still didn't play it much. I was still playing the PS3 a lot for a couple of reasons. Mm. Firstly, the PlayStation 3 was still getting games like um, Trouser Cold Steel released on it and that there was 100 hours every time one of those games came out and 100 hours of pure bliss, as it turns out. To, so there was there was no reason to retire the PlayStation 3 straight away. Uh, the other reason was, I guess, there weren't that many Japanese games that were releasing on PlayStation 4 at start because the PS4 had a late release in Japan. You may remember um, it came out a year later in Japan than the rest of the world. So the Japanese developers took their sweet time getting on there. And I distinctly remember, I think the first... Japanese game that was released on PlayStation 4 that I ended up spending a lot of time with was Amiga Quintet, <laughs> that Compile Hearts um, super pervy game about idols. 
that was the first one, I think. Or was it Final Fantasy Type Zero? One or the other? Uh, I think it was Omega Quintet. There you go, Omega Quintet. Because also, there was also Natural Doctoring, which was that tactics RPG that is impossibly dense to get into, um, which I quite enjoyed, but I played that on the Vita, so I didn't even have that on the PS4. So, yeah, it was it was a very long time before the PS4 started to... Uh, I started to move properly over to the PS4. But, yeah. PS5 is... If they had them all on the shelf, I still don't think I'd go out and buy one. It's just that I can't, that I want one. <laughs> <laughs> what there would you say would be your system seller? Like, if, if a game was out, out or out for currently announced ones, or a game which was coming out, like, which would be, okay, I need to get this console. Like, for me, it will be, like, the proper Astro bot. I'll probably buy a PlayStation 5 when the proper one is out. Um, I know Matt would probably be super excited for Ghost of Tsushima 2, so... <laughs> <laughs> I read that review. <laughs> that was, uh, that was the, the greatest effort I put into something that was such a backfire for my personal reputation. Uh, that review. I still get emails. <laughs> People got very angry at me for that email. Very, very angry. Well, you can do it all again when the sequel comes. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Co-op. <laughs> do it right now. There's, there's multiplayers now. You can, you can beat up other samurai, which is cool. Yeah. Um, of the stuff that's already been announced for PlayStation 5, I think if that Hyper Dimension Neptunia remake with ray tracing came out, um, I would be putting a lot more effort into getting the PS5 than I am right now. I think that I was a blank out a release date. Be... <laughs> also, Atelier Atelier Riser. If I had a PlayStation Five, or if I had the opportunity to buy a PlayStation Five, um, if the stocks went out, if it was on the shelf or whatever, and Atelier Riser came out, and I had all the options of where to play that. I, having seen the PS5 version in action, I'd pick that one up just because it's a much prettier version of a game that's meant to be pretty. So I think the PlayStation 5 will have the Japanese games a lot quicker and hopefully stock levels fix themselves up that I don't miss out on too many of those. Um, I think that's where it is. I, I tend to feel the FOMO much more keenly when it comes to games than consoles. Um, there's a whole bunch of games that I just have to play as soon as possible. And in fact, I did go out and pre-order something uh, yesterday, the Fire Emblem Special Edition, the limited edition thing. So maybe you all saw the news. Um, this is that the day after. The day after. free thing. No, no, no. So the day, uh, this is a day after Nintendo announced it, that we were recording this. Uh, so Nintendo announced a re-release of the original Fire Emblem, the NES one, um, for about six bucks, I think it is, on the eShop. And they also announced a special limited edition box set thing, which has a replica of the original cartridge. It has like a 220-page art book in the, the, the collection it's got. It's a, it's a really impressive little limited edition collector's thing. Uh, and it's about 80 bucks. So I went and pre-ordered that because I had to not miss out on that. So I'm much more software-driven when it comes to FOMO especially when it's some kind of limited edition thing that I really like, which doesn't happen too often, um, but when it does, I have to have them. Anyway, on that note, 
we'll wrap this conversation up. Uh, who's turn? Harvard. Harvard has to leave the the podcast after this, so you won't hear him again, unfortunately. But thanks for being on, Harvard. Um, pick a pick a song, any song, to finish up. Uh, I'll go for I think it's like Lazy Afternoons or whatever from Kingdom Hearts. Good vibes. That's a good one. Afternoon. Well, thanks again for being on, Harvard, and uh, we'll go listen to some music, and we'll be back one person down, but still chatting about all the other interesting things that are happening. back everybody okay so we are going to talk about one particular game this week um mostly because it actually comes out next month anyway so there's some i guess some value in talking about it ahead of time in the podcast and it's also just a it's a game that it's quite interesting for a lot of reasons and that is sakuna of rice and rain so matt and i have both been playing it and just to give people who are listening who may be not too familiar with the game a bit of a introduction to it it is basically a platformer mixed with a Harvest Moon style farming um, system. So you do 2D platforming, which is a little bit like, um, I don't know, it, it's a little bit like a Castlevania kind of thing, really. There's some stats that get thrown around as enemies get killed and, and whatever. It's, um, it's pretty active. Uh, it's very combat heavy platforming and you use that to collect resources and things. And then back in your little hub area or your little rest area, you have this plot of land which you need to grow rice. Unlike 
harvest moon, there is only one crop to grow, which is rice. But you need to make sure that you use the right fertilizer so that the rice grows right. You need to make sure that the water levels are kept up um, or kept at the right level to make the rice grow. Then you need to harvest the rice. You need to then go through the production process. And it's just a constant thing where uh, you go through a full season from when you actually plant the rice seeds to eating it at the other end. And yeah, it's a really nice uh, little game that is very, very Japanese. Um, so Matt, you've been playing it. What would you say is your favorite quality about that game so far? Um, I like growing rice. You like growing rice? Good, because that was rice. me too. I wasn't yeah. that sold on the platforming really. Uh, it, it's fine, but yeah, I, I realized the early on that it wasn't wasn't kind of the focus of the game. Yeah, it's um, just the the level of detail in it, um, and in terms of it's not. I mean, I you know as much as I love love Harvest Moon and that kind of stuff, it's it's not going with that approach of plant something water it every day and seven, seven days it's ready to harvest and then you you get your thing there's so much you know you have to go through every step of creating the fertilizer fertilizing the ground tilling the ground uh planting the seeds weeding um making sure that the seeds are ex planted the right distance apart yeah, yeah yeah and then the like harvesting and then drying the rice and the threshing and hulling and all that kind of stuff it goes into a lot of detail about the entire the entire process of producing rice in a way that is i think quite interesting and not overly complex but has a lot of depth i'd it. say i'd say it's not it's you're right it's not overly complex because each little kind of system is quite simple mechanically yeah. and i don't think yeah. anybody's going to get confused by it. it's not like they're going to yeah. destroy rice crops because they don't understand what they need to do next it's all very yeah self-explanatory yeah. and quite easy actually managing the rice so that it grows nicely is is certainly yeah. a challenge but for me the fact that they put all of those systems in there and they are so like the, the whole rice grain process is so extended I, I don't know my read on it was that it was just a, a real sign of re respect for rice as a yeah. as a cultural icon in japan because yeah. rice as i've discovered you know um being married to a japanese person um Rice is, it's it's something very special to the Japanese. <laughs> to us, it's yeah. we just kind of eat it. it. It works nice with curry, but yeah, rice um, rice is something really important to them. And yeah, this game uh, is one of those games that teaches you to have that respect for the for the process, the production, and the meaning of rice. Which yeah. sounds funny again to us because we're white, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it has meaning. And yeah, and I think that for me is really the the biggest thing is it's sort of through all those kind of systems of growing the rice it really explores the the cultural weight of it and just the importance of that kind of methodical attention to detail um like a lot of the systems are quite uh i don't know don't know the right right word for it but sort of um it's yeah just very very methodical repetitive almost like it's the kind of thing where i can imagine a lot of people go oh this is really boring because you know you have to just do these little quick time events to to thresh the rice but i think it's really um explores how 
just that approach to the care just um i'm losing my words to explain it but just putting that real sort of focus and time and effort into doing something properly it's very uh it's very disciplined isn't it like um, yeah i i feel like that's the the thing about it because you play as a a god um a kami and she is very undisciplined, <laughs> as you yeah. find out in the kind of the introductory cutscene that she's you know she she likes drinking because gods that look like twelve year old kids do a lot of drinking in Japan. Um, and she does some stupid things, and then her punishment is to go to this demon island where she needs to tame oh. tame it. And uh, growing the rice is part of that penalty that she has to deal with. And through doing that, she learns kind of discipline and i guess the um that it itself is also very true to the japanese mindset i think in the way of looking at the world is to to be, live a very kind of disciplined life and mm. to commit to that and um yeah the, the the way that they work with nature is kind of a it's perhaps something that's um a little bit lost to modern Japanese culture. I mean, if you live in the cities and whatever, you're not growing rice and things. Um, and yeah, it, it's almost nostalgic. I feel like this game is, is kind of nostalgic for an older way of thinking in Japan, which is also not very uncommon in their video games. They tend to be very nostalgic about their traditional ways of, of thinking and philosophy. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's a it's a remarkably complex game to think about, uh, and I, I think the more you know about Japanese culture, and the more invested you are, and more interested you are in Japanese culture, the more you'll take it out of this game as well. Definitely, yeah. And and I think and the other thing is also is uh, the way we're talking about it maybe make, makes it sound real sort of serious and stuffy almost, but it's also quite lighthearted just in the way it's written and the approach to storytelling it's a lot of for all the level of detail there it's a lot of fun it's very yeah just light-hearted lots of humor um yeah they, they very, really very like well to, written they like to play with a lot of um japanese mythology storytelling um yeah like there's references to momotoro in there which is the peach boy yeah which is a very famous story in japan um folklore there the you know heaps of heaps of references to yokai and um, they're kind of their their demons and monsters and stuff, and it's also very cute. Um, like the first bunch of enemies that you fight are these cute little bunnies, um, which I felt a little bit bad for because I like rabbits, but uh, they were they were trying to hit me with swords and things, so <laughs> I, I I was just defending myself. But yeah, it, the the, the um, it, it's all very cute and it's quite gorgeous as well. Not so much yeah. the two D the two D stuff. And I think one of the reasons I wasn't too interested in the game until I actually started to play it was a lot of the screenshots are focused on the, the 2D side of things and they look like an off-brand Vanillaware game in a lot of ways, um, <laughs> but without anywhere near the same kind of production standards of a Vanillaware game. But the 3D bit where you're actually growing the rice, that is just a, a gorgeous set. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. Everything from the kind of the architecture of the building is just this traditional kind of thatched roof buildings uh, and the rice itself and the way that the sunlight glistens off the water because if you've ever seen rice grown you'd know that you actually have to flood the field for the first yeah um couple of months of growing and yeah the, the way that the sunlight glistens off the the water i wish it had a proper photo mode because it would be nice to take photos without all those little kind of quest 
text popping up and ruining the photo. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those games that needs a photo mode and it's for that rice. Um, you can disable the quest text. Oh, you can. That's true. But that's kind of yeah, manual and stuff. I just want to press yeah. a button and take take photos. All the rest of the UI stuff. Um, yeah. And just random kind of misc comment about it that just has to doesn't fit it anywhere, but it has to go somewhere. I really like the way it approaches talking particularly about the 2D stuff. Um, discovering new skills in terms of um, not not really like new special attacks and stuff because those you just learn over time but um, a lot of the basic mechanics of the combat system are there right from the beginning um, talking about things like parrying and dodging and all that kind of stuff um, but then you there's not really any sort of tutorial for them at the beginning, but then you discover scrolls through your exploration that explain how these different mechanics work. Um, and I think it's a really, really interesting approach to rather than just front loading a whole lot of different systems, uh, front loading a whole lot of different systems and overwhelming a player um, or having sort of new mechanics that unlock over time. The way of having everything's here you can play around and figure it out or yourself or get basically unlock tutorials as you play um which i think is a, is a really interesting approach to um some of the more more complex side of the combat system yeah and it is a fairly complex combat system i think people who enjoy their their action combat games will get a lot out of this one as well from that level because the developers are the same team behind Asterbreed, so they know action. <laughs> they know yeah. how to do action, and it's it's a it's a very energetic, very fluid combat system. Uh, it's got at the first at the start. Um, if you're anything like me, then you'll just be kind of button mashing the light and strong attacks like you're playing a Dynasty Warriors game. But then you'll realize how to start using the the scarf, which she, so yeah. your character has a scarf which she can use to wrap around an enemy and she can either trip the enemy or she can use it to kind of um, fly past the enemy, you know, kind of whiplash her way past the enemies to get behind them. So if they've got a shield, she can, you know, jump behind them and get some attacks in and stuff. And once you start using that as well uh, and the full range of tricks that you have at your disposal, uh, it it's a really rewarding combat system. So uh, I it took me a little while uh, a little bit longer to get into that because it wasn't as immediately appealing as planting, you know, rice seeds. But <laughs> once I got into it, I found that to be a very enjoyable system as well. Uh, and yeah, they work quite nicely together because the stuff that you pick up in those dungeons is pretty important to what you're doing back in the farm as well. Um, yeah. And it, it's just an eclectic mix. It's not a game that yeah. I've played before. No. Um, there's nothing quite like it. So it's when I really... said, you know, trying to characterize it like Harvest Moon meets 2D platformer isn't really uh, doing it justice because it's it's not Harvest Moon. It's just vaguely similar and it's not really platforming yeah. either. It's, it's yeah, it's its own thing. So I, I you know, we don't get too yeah. many games that are no. genuinely, um, where you genuinely struggle to describe what it's like to play. Uh, and this one is, is certainly a good example of that. It's a game I've been really looking forward to since I first heard about it a couple of years ago. And so I had quite high expectations of it anyway, and it's sort of 
exceeding those, which is rare, I think, <laughs> these days. And I'm, yeah, I'm really happy about that. That's yeah. Great. Yeah, it's one of those games I think that's destined. It's, it's going to sell about 12 copies. But um, I think the people that play it will remember it. I think it's going to be a very memorable game. It's not one of those games that you really enjoy but then forget that you ever played. This yeah. is one of those games that you're definitely going to remember for quite a while. And I think in a video I did, I compared it a little bit to Katana Kami, which was a game I played at the start of the year. Mm. That in itself is also very different. It's in basic sense, it's a roguelike, but it does the roguelike thing in such a distinctive, original and different way, and a way that's also very culturally appropriate to Japan and very yeah, a bit like this one, the more you know about the about Japan, the more interested you are in Japan, the more you take out of that game. And you know, I, when I think about the games that I really enjoyed through 2020, the one that immediately springs to mind is the one I played back in January in Katana Kami. And I think this game's going to be much the same. You know, it's t- 12 months down the track, when I'm thinking about games that I've really enjoyed, um, this one will pop to mind right up the top. But anyway, um, we haven't heard from <laughs> Trent and Lachlan, who have fortunately haven't been able to play the game. Um, but I don't know. Did we sell you on it? Did we sell you on it? Are you going to give it a go? Are you uh, mildly more I interested in it? I put it into my Oz Game Shop shopping cart as you were talking. Bang. <laughs> I'm there well we go. for it. So we've, we've lifted it from 12 to 13 sales. We'll take the Excellent. money from the publisher now. Uh, yeah. The corrupt I, I, I might buy this rice simulator game. But my, my question is... Um, do you have to do the dungeon crawly side crawly thingies or can I just grow rice? No, you do. You do. You do because you need the resources um, to make the fertilizer and stuff. And can I yeah. just buy them? No, there's no, no shop. There's no shop. It's, it's, no shop. It's, it's, you're in exile on a. So, so it's not island. like Harvest Moon. There's no shop. There's no dating. There's no like. Can't marry the chicken girl? <laughs> 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 no there's none of that so yeah the, the the idea of it is that you play as this goddess um and there are maybe six or seven humans that have ended up in the divine world by accident and they are all banished to this island and then the humans need to help the girl to tame the island and they do that by like six or seven dating opportunities no there's no dating mm, in here no, no dating <laughs> mm. um but <laughs> my, my, most of those humans are children yeah, like, so, yeah. yeah, that's a bit weird of you to say that. <laughs> I, I don't know what this game now. is. It needs well, to be, it needs on top to... of that, the, the god is like a child. Like she's she's she looks and behaves like a twelve year old. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's there's no dating in this game for a very good reason. But that makes sense. the humans do help. Like one of them yeah. teaches her how to do the rice, uh, how to farm. Another one ends up being the blacksmith, and you get the resources from the dungeon crawling to get him to turn you know to make better equipment for you and stuff so yeah it's um perhaps the best way to think about it i guess is like monster hunter in that or everything that you need you get from the field rather than buy it yeah but there's sort of a little community which grows like it sort of has that vibe does it or not really or it's not really community driven like i said it's only a group of about six or seven people But they do have very strong, like they, the bonds between them grow as they kind of survive on this island. They all have their own role. There's all these little cutscenes as well uh, that are often quite funny. Uh, one of them, yeah. one of one of the humans is a a foreigner. I don't know where that she's meant to be from. <laughs> um, I think I think she's meant to be Dutch. French? 
Dutch. Dutch, I think. Mainly um, in Europe somewhere. <laughs> just, just, yeah, I kind of looked Portugal? up the, the, the name to see, okay, what is the... Actually, um, Dutch makes more sense now. Than Dutch, Dutch makes sense, I think. Yeah. So that, that, that's kind of also the other interesting thing is that it's very, I mean, obviously very situated in Japanese history and mythology and stuff, but it's not, it's a sort of fictional version of that. So, um, like, the, the the country is referred to, like is uh, called Yamato. Um, well, that's a that's a riff on Yamato. Yeah. So it, it's all kind of very adjacent to Japan. Yeah. But yeah. It it's not it's not canon <laughs> Japanese history yeah, or anything. Yeah, it, it's that, yeah, it, it is a fantasy fun. version. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So there is this Dutch girl, and she decides she's going to teach the kids language or something. Um, in one early cutscene, she also cooks, and then she. She cooks um, something absolutely terrible that the goddess doesn't like at all. It's got all these like really funny little cutscenes in there as well. So you'll you'll get a sense of personality community out of it, even though it's not a Harvest Moon like you're living in a town and you're hanging out with these people kind of thing. It's, I mean, I'd almost compare it to Okami in terms of just the tone and style of it. Yeah, a, yeah, a completely different sort of game, but it's got that 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 similar sort of uh, just inherently Japaneseness. Yeah, like it, the aesthetics and yeah, the the tone and the storytelling, everything is very authentically Japanese. So, any other questions from the people who haven't played the game? You can pepper us with them. Put your journalist mind caps on. <laughs> I've only just seen a few screenshots while I was frantically Googling it while you talked. <laughs> it looks really pretty, though. Yeah, It is pretty, it is pretty. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the statement. It looks nicer in the rice sections than the uh, the battling sections. Like, or, like, there's this, like, picture in, I don't know if it's artwork or if it's just, like, a, like a render or something, but, like, it's got the light and all that sort of stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's you know, what you're trying to go for when you're saying that, but then I look at the, the battling sections, and I'm like, oh, they, these look a bit boring. I think it is, for me, anyway, uh, I, I just wanted Vanillaware with the 2D stuff. Yeah, I it looked like Vanillaware. It, it looked like it should have been a Vanillaware game, like the... It, and Vanillaware is, uses you know, hand-painted 2D backgrounds, whereas this one uses 3D backgrounds, which makes a lot more sense when you think that the development team is two. <laughs> they don't have the resources of a Vanillaware. Yeah. So, two-person uh, studio. Two-person studio, on. and they've managed to produce that. It looks fine in two, the 2D stuff, and the 3D stuff just looks like something that two people should not be able to create. <laughs> oh, no, not even close. <laughs> I think the with... Uh, like contractors and stuff at, at the height of it the development team was four people yeah because they had like hired uh, maybe an artist or uh, hired hired some other roles temporarily who weren't, weren't actually part of the company but yeah four people at its busiest I think that's like, the other thing it, it is hyper indie like this is this is as indie and I don't like using the word indie anymore, but um, it is as indie as indie development gets, and yet this thing doesn't look or feel anything like it. Uh, it doesn't feel like a AAA game, of course. It's not like a blockbuster. But if you, if I didn't know that two people made it, I would say a studio of 10, 15 people. Yeah, you know, it's that kind of mid-tier, mid-tier kind of Japanese game development studio work. So they're definitely punching well above their weight with this thing as well. Talented developer. 
All right, I think we'll cut to a break after all of that. Anyway, uh, look forward to the full review of the game. <laughs> I think the embargo lives in, what, November 6 or so? Um, maybe a little bit later. We will have a review up on digitallydownloaded.net, of course. There's a lot to say about this game, but in the meantime, I've also done some video and preview previews of it of the first couple of chapters of the game, so you can check those out if you're interested. You should be interested. This is a very good game. There's a reason we put a whole section of the podcast dedicated to it, because we're going to be enthusing about this for a long time. Um, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello. Music time. You're on the spot. I feel like we should have some music from Sakuna, but I don't know if there's if anything find it, yeah. available yet. Uh, well, how about this? How, failing that, let's get some music from Orkami, since they are aesthetically yeah. similar. So we'll pick some music from Orkami, and you can just pretend that the music <laughs> the music in Sakuna is roughly the same. <laughs> yeah. Or go the complete opposite direction and get something from Astabreed, but... Oh, too late. Probably, probably too better. late. I've already written it down. It's just here in my notes. The music's all coming, so... And welcome back, everybody. Okay, so for the final section of the podcast, we are going to be talking about boobs. Very, very big ones. <laughs> Huge <laughs> ones. Massive ones. They break They break through the screen. In fact, this game should have been VR, because if it did, it'd poke your eyes out. Um, <laughs> Lachlan. Lachlan yep. of Locked Up Games. He, uh, he has produced some pretty amusing visual novels in the last couple of years. Max's Big Bust was his original breakout hit. And then last year or two years ago? Um, oh, last year. Last year, Aluna and Bree, which was basically like Persona, if Persona was done by a, a one-man indie studio. And it was really good. They're both very enjoyable games. And he's back now with the just-released, uh, by the time you're listening to this anyway, the just-released um, Max's Big Bust 2 max's bigger bust which is a great name for a game if you ask me um yeah. and yeah. yeah it's it's 
good. I've played it. I reviewed it. It's up on digitaldownloaded.net. I've given it four and a half out of five. And I think the thing that I like most about it is that it is very funny. <laughs> it's, and a, yeah. it's it's a very funny game. When you've got a game called Max's Bigger Bust, you kind of have to lean into the humour a lot. <laughs> no one's going to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's no, The thing I, that I really like about your games is that they're aesthetically they're anime visual novels with uh, very cute characters with, in this case, huge chests. Um, you've in this, you the the two Max's Big Bust games are also gender swap games. So you start out as male characters with male characters and then something happens and they turn into uh, women. And this time around, um, Brad, who is a dude at the start of yep. the game, becomes, um, oh, what's her name? Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. Bonnie. Yep. And she is very cute. <laughs> I like Bonnie. Um, but yeah, the, uh, it's I need all the very... contrast because I was like, oh, I've got giant Max on one side. I need a smaller girl next to us. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bonnie is <laughs> a comparison. Bonnie, Bonnie is very petite and yep. uh, yeah, very cute. So you've got this anime aesthetic going that is very anime, very fan servicey anime on top of that. And yet the writing is so distinctly Australian <laughs> that very it's. Okay. Yeah, it's it's this kind of weird contrast that it, it it makes the game so distinctive and different, and that's really fun. Like they swear like sailors, and they use Australian swear words, which are going to <laughs> you're going to have I'm, some. People. I'm, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble with the. You're going to get in trouble with some people. I, I mean, the, the number of times you use the c word, and oh yeah, outside of Australia, that word's just not good, Lachlan. But yeah. but with bargains and you see like. <laughs> Police and everything. It's like that word's thrown around everywhere. I mean, I throw it around every now and again. Not as frequently as the game characters, but I'm like, you know, they're arresting people. I've watched a lot of episodes of like Highway Patrol and Police 10 7. They're not polite and cordial when they're being arrested. So I'm like, I'm going to make it a little bit realistic, you know. Admittedly, I may not have gone for realistic in terms of character designs, but at least in the dialogue. Looking at the screenshots and admiring the God of Sharks. <laughs> oh yeah, Thrasher, he's cool. I'm the yeah. literal god of sharks, mate. <laughs> That's just actual dialogue from the game. Yeah. Game of the year, right there. <laughs> it yeah. is. I mean, and and like you've got all these kind of little tiny Australianisms in there as well. Like one of my favourite background scenes um, is of Max's bedroom, and then out the window she's got a view of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And it's like a really good view of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. She must be, she must live in like Balmain or something. And for people who aren't in Australia um, and don't really know what Balmain is, if if you're living there, you're you're quite loaded. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're very wealthy. So that just that it's kind of like this um, this subtle storytelling. Now I have this huge kind of backstory that Max is very corrupt as a cop, and like, she's getting <laughs> she's on the take big time. And that's how she's affording this extravagant lifestyle that she's living. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's got this great sense of humor, um, Australian humor about it. And yeah, so it's yeah. Um, tell tell us about the development process because so, you have had some trouble in getting this game over the line. Yeah, there's been lots of ups and downs. So um, Max's Big Bus came out. I think it was three or four years ago now. Um, the final version and sold well, people liked it, and I went, great. Um, I've done a fan service dating sim. Now I'm going to make my dream project and make a life sim RPG. Uh, but develop, and that was the Lunar and Bree, uh, which we talked about last year. Um, but 
development was a nightmare and it took ages and it was a lot more work than I anticipated. And yeah, and when it finally came out, it didn't have the same success that Max did. And I went, damn it, you know, I really wanted to this to be the thing that worked. So I started brainstorming and I'm like, how can I get back to making um, a game that people, that resonates with? Because I liked Lunar and Brie, but it didn't have that, it didn't run, I guess. And then just randomly, I went, oh, what about Max's bigger bust? And I went, oh, that's it. <laughs> the title came to me. It, it sets it up for Max's biggest bust with the sequel. <laughs> it's building groundswell. So I went, I went, just lead into the pun title. And um, basically, I wrote the story around that. <laughs> yeah. Not the direction I was initially planning to take with my universe. But um, I think I think it's going to do really well. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think while the character designs are ridiculous, I've managed to strike a really good tone with the humour. Um, like it, it's a very etchy, fan servicey game, but it's not... I don't know, I can't really think of any good examples, but it's not 100% fan service, I guess. Like There is a storyline going on. You can get engaged aside from the sexy pics here and there. Um, and I, I think... I think by doing it in early access, I'll be able to release like the first couple of chapters and people are like, oh, what's going to happen here? And hopefully build a bit of a dialogue uh, like what I did with the first game. And hopefully it does really well. Yeah. yeah I mean, one of the things, because you are obviously a, a micro indie developer, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I love about this space is just how creative people have to get to, to get their games over the line and, and get their creative vision out there. Because, I mean, one of the things I really enjoyed about your game was it's clearly some of the sprites you used from the original oh, yeah. Max's got... Big Breast. And the the artist is so clearly different that it's um, it's almost jarring, but you kind of lean into it and you just write dialogue that explains why they look so different. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I just love it. I love that you... you, you... I make like my own visual, I make my own little visual yeah. novels, and you're always going to get get very creative about what you can do with the assets that you've got access to. Yep. Um, so yeah, the way you've done that is is really good fun as well. It's one of those games that yeah, sure, it's it's super fan servicey, but it's um it it's done with such over the top humor that it it's just. I, I would be very upset if people got offended by this game. I, I, well, I, <laughs> there yeah, will be some, of course, they, but. Um, yeah. but you know, it's it. it yeah, uh, I, the, the, I, I can't argue with them on that one. The, the first <laughs> game, Max's Big Bust, sure, bit bit fan servicey, but I could defend it. This one, I can't defend this at all. <laughs> but that's <laughs> the point. No you, you, you're not even trying to defend it. You just, <laughs> no. yeah, you, you've just thrown it out there. I, for for me, it's uh, it actually has this really good spirit because it's just so you know um, uncomplicated in in what it's at, in what it's doing. It, it's yeah. I, I think it's just well past the point that you can take it seriously enough to get kind of um, upset by it, I think. Because a lot of fan service games try to be, you know, sexy or whatever. Your game's not really trying to be sexy. I think that's the thing. It's trying like, to be funny, mostly. Yeah, it's trying to be funny. And um, for me, anyway, the humor landed, so... Yeah, it's good to hear. <laughs> so I wanted to also go back. Why do you think Aluna and Bree struggled? Because that was a good game. It was well made. It was really enjoyable. It did the RPG stuff quite nicely. And uh, I thought it was a good Australian VN persona game. That's a very small category of video games. And yours was the top of it. I think it was a bit too niche. And I think yeah. um, 
I kind of shot for the moon in a way, and what I was trying to add, I wanted to add a combat system and then a Blitzball-esque minigame system and also like a Pokemon Go-esque minigame as well. And I had it all planned out how I wanted it all to interact, but I couldn't get my hands on the beta testing until way later into development. Um, I hired some freelancers um, to do it, and they did a great job, but the bug testing wasn't able to be done until the end. So all of the balance and everything was just me frantically playing the game for three months straight, like <laughs> on an endless loop, trying to go, was this too hard? Was this too easy? Yeah. And I missed a bunch of broken weapons because I was like, if I was a player, I would probably get the second most expensive item. And, you know, and I missed so much stuff. And I think... Like for an indie team, a visual novel, it's not too hard to polish and make it feel like you've got a really high-end game out of it. Like like with budgets and things, you get in the right mindset, you enjoy it. But with these RPGs, I think people have a higher standard and I just wasn't polished enough, I don't think, to get away with it. Um, I, I just landed in a funny middle ground between almost but not quite. I do want to go back to it. I've got a lot of plans of things I can fix. Um, after Max's Big Bus 2 is done, I want to do a remaster free upgrade to a lunar and brie and I th i'm hoping that eventually it'll work and i do want to make more rpgs as well because i think i don't i love visual novels but i i think you can't just keep writing a visual novel at least for me um i ran out of ideas it took me two or three <laughs> years to come up with enough plot stuff for max and um i don't know if i could like max's big bust i could do biggest bust if i do a biggerest bust how out of hand is this going to get so <laughs> i think i need to pivot back to rpgs at some point um and i've learned a lot i'm hoping the next one i do is better yeah i mean that's the thing visual novels actually are, are longer than i think most people realize in terms of the amount of writing that goes into them oh yeah uh you said your first three chapters which are currently available um in the early access version that's thirty-five thousand words or thereabouts uh, for context, a standard novel, I think, is about 50,000 words. So, yeah, you know... Uh, It'll be about 300,000 when it's done, like the first game. Yeah, I mean, and 300,000 words, you're talking about a very, very long book. So mm. there's actually more words that go into visual novels, you know, on a pound-for-pound -pound basis than uh, literature, <laughs> than novels. So that's... Um, that, that's a lot that of work. I my RPG too, though. It, I, I really... I love writing. I like... I'd rather just put more character interactions. That's the main thing I tried to go for. Um, with like with Persona, the RPG stuff was fine and all, but what I really loved about it was like hanging out with characters and making friends. And it kind of felt like you were. Well, I, I don't know if like a friend simulator is the best way to do it, but it it became enjoyable to spend time with these characters. And it was a bit sad when it ended, and that's what I've tried to do with all of my games. Is is try and make it feel like you're hanging out and having a nice time and forming a bit of a relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. Not, a, not, not, so much, not so much the dating sim elements, but, but more the just the hanging out and, yeah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> no, I think pretty much anybody that plays a Persona game will say the same. They'd, they'd almost rather they not be the gameplay bit because they mm. just want to hang out with their favourite characters. Um, or Persona 5 maybe had a little bit better gameplay, but yeah, yeah, definitely Persona 3 and 4 in particular. They were they were games that did not need the dungeon crawling bit to be every bit as good as they ended up being. So yeah, um, I'm totally with you on that. But your games do have gameplay elements in them. Like there's, puz there's puzzle stuff in this um, Max is bigger, big, big, there is. Giant, was... giant bust. Um, yeah, why, like why do you... It's an adventure game. 
Well, I did. Why do you why do you put gameplay bits in there? What what's with this gameplay stuff? You don't need. Game, you need gameplay. <laughs> you need a bit of like so a visual novel. The problem is, is if you get a really engaging one, you can just sit down there for hours and hours and hours, and you knock it out in five minutes, and you're like, oh, that was. You're like when you binge read something, whereas. If you've got a puzzle, um, you have to stop, you have to think for a bit, and it also gives you time to sort of enjoy the game a bit more. Like, I don't, padding's not really the right word, but, I mean, Persona wouldn't have worked without the gameplay because you need it for story reasons and just to, you need a bit of conflict. And I think, I don't know, I grew up playing a lot of puzzle games, like Curse of Monkey Island uh, was a huge inspiration for the puzzles in this game. Um, and I was really happy I was able to find a way to make something similar work in a visual novel engine. Um, it just it just it gives the opportunity to hide hidden dialogue and find lots of bonus scenes. Um, so in this one, you've got all these different items you can use in the puzzle sections. But if you use the wrong item in the wrong place, um, like for example, you might um, there's a puzzle where you have to disable a robot girl in a later update, and you can either this is a small spoiler you can either throw a smoothie at her or you can conquer over the head with a giant heavy <laughs> flashlight and just the fact that you can find those alternate things is just like oh i played it i did an alternate solution that was ridiculous yeah i think it, people enjoy games that they've had a little bit of customization i guess and control if you know what i mean yeah it, it's really interesting i think there's this there is a you know it's an ongoing debate with um, among people who enjoy visual novels about whether they actually want that kind of interactivity in there um, there are there are a lot of visual novels that have absolutely zero, like uh, the Higurashi games, for example, yeah. which are wildly popular and beloved, and do not even have a single choice in them. You know, you you don't even make a dialogue choice; you're just reading. It's just literally a book with pictures. Um, but then you can go, you know, quite the other way, and um, for a, I guess a bigger budget version of the kind of thing that you're doing, um, there's the Deathmark and Spirit hunter games which are horror themed ones which have you know full puzzles in there with different solutions that you can work out on how to defeat the the ghost and stuff and based on the based on the way that you defeat the ghost it will it will affect how the the narrative moves on so yeah there there are definitely it's a vibrant space i think the visual novel section space at the moment it's kind of really exciting because it is very accessible to make them uh and then there's all different ways that people are trying to approach these things and yeah, I really love finding games such as yours, which are made by oh, one thanks. person with a really great idea and doing something different and giving us a different kind of game. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just me. It's me and a bunch of freelancers, but yeah. And my mom well, I mean, you're the creative di- creative director. Is, is well, mm. what, do, what do you call yourself? The... I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Only person at Locked Up Games. <laughs> That's, that's that's an interesting title. I am person. the company. <laughs> yeah. Executive employee. Has, has anyone been really offended by Max's big bust and suggested you should be locked up? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I'm, just, I'm saving that. That's a, sorry, I couldn't help myself. That was good. But yeah, the feedback that you have got from the games... Um, yeah, they've been really well received, like really, really well received. I think Max's Big Bust one is 97% positive. A Lunar and Bree only got 20-odd reviews, but it's still 95% positive. Um, I'm hoping Max's Big Bust 2 gets good reviews. Hopefully it's not, you've gone too far with this one, Lachlan. Negative review. But... 
Hopefully uh, that I, doesn't happen. I would take a wild guess that the people that enjoyed Max's Big Bus and Luna and Brie are probably not going to be the kind of people that go, you've gone too far. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Although... <laughs> then again, you've seen every, the everybody, every, everybody does have a limit. Um, yeah, the, the, I asked because um, maybe it was last month, wasn't it? Um, we had another Australian developer behind a fan service vision of Lawn. Um, that was Tina from... Um, Cotton Candy Cyanide, who just released Quantum Suicide, and yeah, the the stories of the feedback that she'd been getting was was kind of fascinating. Um, <laughs> yeah, very interesting development process too. How that changes over was it five years? I think it was. I think yeah, yeah. She took forever to. She had all kinds of issues with it, unfortunately. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which made yeah. it very difficult for her to get her out there. So I'm really glad for her that she was able to finish it up and, and get it out there. But it's interesting because she did get criticism for the way that she handled character designs and all that stuff. Like the, she got criticism for the fan service, but her fan oh, really? service. Yeah. But her fan service wasn't nearly as fan service no. as yours. Oh, <laughs> so no. well, I'm in it, huge trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's just interesting. I mean, it's a slightly different, you know, markets perhaps maybe she was, mm. her game looks like something that perhaps people who aren't interested in fan service might be um, might be interested in, whereas yours is quite clear about. Oh um, yeah, it's what it says on the would, tin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who it will appeal to. It's just interesting how you can end up with different you know responses to these games um, based on, I guess, how brazen you are. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, perhaps there is a um, lead into it. <laughs> You're yeah. gonna get internet hate anyway. Just yeah, I do what gets the most clicks. I think there's also an element of. Having something that's so over the top that it, it's impossible to really take seriously and yeah, know, that's be, be the most kind of sheltered Puritan per- person to even think it was that it was seri- like tr- trying to be genuinely sexy or anything like that. Um, and I, and so in, so in some ways, I think going too far almost makes it less objectionable. Yeah. Like th- it, pr- thinking, it, it protects it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like thinking about Galgun Double Piece compared to Galgun Two, which kind of toned things down a bit, mm. and in some ways felt uh, kind of more offensive because of that. Yeah, yeah, for it felt sure. less like less like it was a joke and more like it was just kind of trying to do this thing. I mean, I think I think Senran Kagura was another is another good example. Um, like the games in Senran Kagura, which are less dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tend to be the ones that get less crazy criticism. Uh, well, another good example is that um, Kanbakawa Jet Girls, which is mm. just so far over the top that it didn't really get criticised uh, from the same circles that some of the Senran Kangura games have been. So, yeah, there, there, there definitely does seem to be that approach that if you're going to if you're going to go this way, then just throw all in and um i think self-awareness people people who are yeah self-awareness is definitely important too definitely if you (laughs) if you're making fun of yourself in in the Mm. process of making the game which you know max is biggest oh yeah max's max's busts mocks itself constantly (laughs) do they do constantly mock themselves which is again part of that kind of um good naturedness i think i think you probably also get a little why why excuse me 
you probably get a little bit away with it as well because it's so obviously Australian and people outside <laughs> of Australia, people outside of Australia have a certain vision of Australians, which um, if you kind of fit that, then they're, oh, it's just an Australian. You've got to lean into the Australian stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, when you go on international holidays, or I guess we can't do that anymore, but yeah. like you lean into your Aussie accent, like, hey, mate, how's it going? And, you know, it's just... <laughs> You own the room. You You absolutely own the room when you do it. So what you're saying is Australians could get away with anything like pervy or like sexist or like sus in any game. Just be typical Australian, be over the top and... Yeah, mate. It'd it be right. like totally okay. You know, this is how, this is where all we should, that's where the market and all the developers should move to. Just move to Australia and make games based off Australia. Down for that. <laughs> yeah. Nah, Aussies get away with a lot of stuff. We really do. <laughs> we do, especially the swears. You, <laughs> your game. I think your game definitely has a record for the most number of. I have swears. a bogan police commissioner. You know, he has to. <laughs> <laughs> he has to swear at people. Like, it's mocking a stereotype while also me being amused at it and just writing more. <laughs> so you've got thirteen chapters coming. Um, yep in total is planned and currently there are three now i'm not great at maths but that means there are 10 to come um i think what rate can we expect them to land so the first so i got it was the plan was originally to be monthly but now that steam changed its submission process it took a bit longer to get through so i'm going to release the first couple every two weeks and then it's going to move to a monthly release and they're going to be about uh, two hours long each uh, each update. I've done it before with Max's Big Bust 1 um, and I'm able to write even more this time, so it's going really well. So um, that's got a, quite a long visual novel in the end. end. Yeah. I, I've planned it out this time though. The last, with Max's Big Bust 1, I planned out the majority of it, but this one I've kind of written it like an anime, I guess. I've got, I wrote it as if, if this is a TV show, what would I want to happen over 13 episodes? Oh, okay, so it's yeah, so very I've sketched them all out. Very episodic. It's it's an ongoing storyline, but this is a chapter where they go to the witches and investigate what's going on in that cult. This is a chapter where they go to a theme park. This is a chapter where they have a holiday, and here's one where some plot stuff happened. You know, let me guess. Let me guess. By by holiday, you do mean just given the general presentation of your game. I'm going to take a wild guess and say beach. Gold Coast theme park. But there we go. Well, I was going to say, like, if it's if it's framed like an anime, like, what what happens every time in an anime? It's like let, let's just randomly go to the beach. It's a yep. beach and barbecue episode. <laughs> I try and tie plot stuff into those beach scenes. I did it the last time. <laughs> it's mandatory. You've got to yeah. have a beach scene. Every, every single visual novel series or anime or manga needs a beach. Yep. It's where yeah, all the fun stuff theme park. happens. Theme park. <laughs> Put it in front of a wave pool. It's it's the same thing, but better. <laughs> is, is it also going to have a really sort of fun, happy opening song at the start of each chapter, and then a really weirdly sad, <laughs> depressing closing <laughs> thing? <laughs> <laughs> like... uh, what actually? Uh, this is a mild spoiler, but um, I actually really want to get a terrible song recorded uh, called "Big Busting My Heart," which Max will sing. <laughs> I want to do it through Fiverr. I am looking into it. I don't have it yet, but I want to make it happen. Surely someone on Fiverr will sing it. If not, you can sing it yourself. <laughs> pretend to be Max. Hello. <laughs> no, I can't well, I mean, that would, that would even do it impersonation. That, 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 that would kind of make, uh, that would kind of match with her uh, dance moves, anyway. Um, 
That that was my favourite scene in the in the chapters that I've played so far, where they have to do a dance, and the dance is just the the sprite flipping left, right, left, right. But it, it so works. Like the little sound effect that you've got going with it, it's just so. It, it, I, I was in stitches laughing at it. Two by a second pose. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just just flip back and forth with a little squeak sound, and it's just. Uh, Making 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 artistic vision happen on a on a shoestring budget. It's yeah. great. It's it's really good. Yeah. All right, but no, um, yeah, I wanted to say thank you very much for for being on. It's it's okay. really good because, amongst other things, it seems like Australia started to get some kind of anime development yeah, <laughs> community going. There's like three three of us now. Um, four. There's another one. There's, there's another one. one. Is there? invert mouse guy he comes to conventions as well you might have met him yeah but there's a couple of us invert yeah. mouse let me just check this out actually I haven't played any of his games but i have seen him at conventions i think there's as far as i'm aware there's you me that guy and um tina that's awesome if there's another yeah. one with which is not really that many people out of 20 odd million but no, but in the the scope of the Australian games community, that's actually quite a lot. Like yeah. that's uh, that's that's an awful lot of people that are making Japanese styled uh, aesthetic yeah. games out of out of this country. It's pretty cool. It's good fun. It's uh, it's nice having a little community of people as well in the development industry because I mean, generally speaking, the Australian games industry mirrors what's going on with you know, America and uh, Europe. It's it's very Western orientated in terms of aesthetics and game design elements and the way people think and talk about games is very, you know, Western focused. So having, you know, people like yourself and Tina and I'm going to check out this other guy now as well. Uh, I'll, I'll send him an email. Uh, I can wave your email at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, having having these kind of, you know, uh, a community to, to chat about this stuff about is really cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying all of this stuff happening. Yeah, hopefully we can get some more people over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think so. I'm sure there are other people out there creating visual novels as well. Um, you know, other Australians creating visual novels, perhaps with a Western art style or whatever. But yeah, we'll see. We'll certainly see more pop up on Twitch. I think over time. Mm. Actually, oh sorry, Twitch itch. You can do a let's play. I, I'm going to try streaming. I'm going to try streaming Max's big bust on Twitch and just see how long it takes for Twitch to ban my account because that's almost certainly going to happen. Uh, no, go for it. It'll be right. There's no nudity. It's just really, really, really fan servicey. Like really, 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 really fan servicey. But well, no nudity. I mean, I mean, Dead or Alive got banned from Twitch, so. Oh. Yeah. Maybe you'd get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yours are, you somehow managed to out Dead or Alive, Dead or Alive on the bus sizes, so. <laughs> Just wait till biggest bust. <laughs> Coming next year. I'm pretty sure, I mean, how do you actually fit those into the screen then? Like, it just, it, it wouldn't fit, like, the whole screen would just be the bust. Maybe that's, that's the point. That's the joke. <laughs> that's the point. Just stuck in a room. I can't move. <laughs> Wouldn't make much of a game. Yeah, I, I, have all these like background dips. art that is there, but you can't actually see it until you <laughs> unlock it in a gallery because you can't see past the boobs. <laughs> I got. I, I must say, I, I do feel sorry for Max. Her back must be in a terrible state by the end of this game. Oh, she's fine. <laughs> it's an anime world. She's managing. <laughs> she's managing. <laughs> 
All right. So on all of that note, we'll uh, we'll wrap the podcast up here. I think. Thank you very much again for being on. Um, let's use some of your music, I guess. Um, have you got a song that we can use? Uh, not overly. I'll have to think for a no. minute. Um, <laughs> go go recalling that Max's biggest spot song. Man. <laughs> <laughs> If not, maybe I can do this. Maybe uh, now's your chance. Just just sing it. We have to <laughs> sing it right now. From, um, <laughs> not singing. I haven't, I haven't written all of it yet. But um, the, I mean, the music from Aluna and Bree. Aluna and Bree's battle theme work. Yeah. I think. Then the yeah. Nah, 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 nah. That was a good battle theme. I like that a lot. So I guess I'll be lame and suggest that again. Max is mostly um. Actually, no. I'll send you the file. There's a good song. I'll send you the theme music for um Max. It's just music, but um, it's a good one to play the podcast out on. Yes. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, you'll need to send it because we're not going to be able to find it on YouTube. But no, yeah. I'll send it. <laughs> now. That's, where you, that's where we usually get our music from, is from the YouTubes. But uh, yeah, thanks thanks again for being on. Best of luck with Max's bigger bust. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have you on next year to talk about Max's biggest bust. Yeah. But, <laughs> we'll see if that happens. That'll be the next thing. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, I hope that was an interesting podcast. We certainly enjoyed chatting about all this stuff. And uh, thanks to Matt and Trent, as always, for helping to make this such a vibrant conversation. Um, stay tuned. Have a good month. Play lots of games. And we will be back next month with another podcast. <laughs>